How's everyone doing? We're back again. We've been back. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Shady's back. Tell, Tell a friend. friend. Um, so today, I'm joined by, of course, Greg Waters, as always. I'm Nick Libretti, JRSofars.com. Hi, Nick. Hey, Greg. And uh, behind the camera, we have uh, Secret Chris doing uh, shady secret stuff. How is everybody? With his Bob Barker microphone. <laughs> Don't make fun of him, because you got made fun of him. Are you going to make a deal? <laughs> How much is the washing machine, Chris? <laughs> Don't forget to have your pets spayed and or neutered. <laughs> um, so today, we're going to do a few things. First, we're going to smoke a cigar that was sent to us very nicely by uh, some very nice boys. Um, and then we're going to, we have a really cool topic to discuss that I recently wrote a, uh, wrote a blog on, so we're going to discuss that. But first, let's get into the cigar. Um, recently, we have become very well acquainted with uh, Alec and Bradley. Uh, sons of Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley fame. Um, obviously, the boys have um, a lot to do with current Alec Bradley lineup and, of course, their own you know, separate company, Alec and Bradley, that makes such great cigars as the Blind Faith, the Gatekeeper, and the brand-new Kitsugi, which is being released uh, this year. Um, but we've gotten really close to them doing some videos and some, some social and party. stuff. But yeah, we hung out at that awesome party, party where McAllen 18 was like the well whiskey. <laughs> But they sent us a very nice uh, care package, which was awesome. They sent us these beautiful. You right? Yep. No need to apologize. Just want to make sure you're okay. I'm good. Good thing he didn't. <laughs> um, they sent us these beautiful Alec Bradley cigar carrying cases. Look like they're hand stitched by hand. Uh, very nice. And well, also, honestly, this is perfect for not only the cigars they sent us, but it's perfect for the size of cigar I've been smoking recently. Obviously, it can be extended out if you have a bigger smoke, but fully closed, that's exactly the size of cigars I've been enjoying recently, so that's great. They sent us this. They sent us awesome t-shirt. I already wore mine. It's already in the wash. So T-shirt? Yeah. Great so sign awesome on the back. And then they sent us each a box of the newest size for the Alec Bradley Black Market Esteli. Um, it's known as the Punk. It's a, I believe, four and a half by 42. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Four and a half. I thought it was a four. It might be a four. We'll double check that. No, a four and a quarter by 42. We're both right. Yeah. Well, we were one because we, we were, we were on average. We were one. We would have had it. We are one. We won. <laughs> um, so it's a really nice small size. Um, small size is something, something that you've been enjoying a lot recently, Greg, during yes. the uh, whole work from home thing. Definitely. You wanted me to go I was going to have that. you go on. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I really enjoy it because you're not taking a lot of time out of your day to smoke a cigar uh, with kids and work, especially like if you have 45 minute like meetings, 30 minutes. I was outside on my back deck enjoying a, a, a quick tiny smoke. Uh, the, I like the uh, La Imperiosa, the Big Payback, Maduro. Those are definitely uh, two of my favorite Short short smokes. Well, hopefully this one is going to be as well. I haven't had a uh, I haven't had an Esteli in a, uh, in a while. Um, I will say off the bat, first of all, biggest thing I like about this cigar so far. I haven't even lit it up yet. The only problem I, I love the original Black Market from Alec Bradley. Really cool presentation. The the blend was great. The problem I had was the original band, like the the presentation bands, were like a cardboard. And they like left a taste on the cigar. Like this is a year ago. This is like ten years ago oh, like, when those first came out. So I'm glad to see they have changed it to more of like a paper. Yeah. Like you know, more of like a label material because that that cigar was great. But I just remember the cardboard having an effect. Like again, this is like a decade ago. Of course. How do you, how do you feel about it taking up the whole entire cigar? 
I don't mind it. I generally don't go like if I was making a cigar, I I wouldn't do a band like that just because you gotta take it off immediately. You can't even really start the cigar. But for presentation wise, I think it looks great, and especially one like this where it's easy to remove. I'm I'm game for it. I like the little box. I little, oh, I love the, the black market. The black market style is kind of like you know black market. It's you know on the sec- you know can't find right. it. It's like a secret thing, so it comes in like this awesome looking crate. And a nice little latch there. It's also the uh, the basis for the filthy hooligan. They're um gotcha. The the uh, St. Patrick's Day cigar is based upon okay. a black market blend and style, same kind of boxes, but you know, obviously, obviously all green. And now they're doing the split, you know, Candela wrapper. Uh, right. Barber so, pole. Let's get into this. So this is a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper, um, and I believe Nicaraguan and Honduran fillers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So Esteli to the max. I got my Alec Bradley ashtray for everyone who's in. Yeah, I got Bradley ashtray, and I got the Alec Bradley burn lighter. Don't torture your face. It is dangerous. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I'm just gonna watch you. It's like lighting your gas, your your uh, your grill. I kind of want that. That thing's a master. I like how like tiny it is, but not. And then the flame is just gigundo. Utter white, utter white. <laughs> oh, I got the Alec Bradley uh, two flame. It's like a kind of like a bic, but not, which I like. When you kind of like a bic. I like to have that top, this top. You mean kind of like a zippo. Zippo, not a bic. Hello. You're a bic. I don't get out you're much. You're a bic hole. You're a, <laughs> you're a bic hole. <laughs> a lot of great flavor initially. Some good spice. Oh, I'm getting some like cocoa notes. It's like a spicy cocoa, which sounds like an adult dancer. This like hits right off the bat. It does. It, like immediately like, first puffs, like it's hitting in like a great way. Very flavorful. Mm. And I can already tell, even though it's not burning there yet, but I can tell by the ash, it is going to be high quality. I can tell because the, already the ash is like that kind of right. tightly yep. packed. Now Very explain nice. to me more about this Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. For people that don't know at home, and especially myself. So it's a Habano seed. Okay. Grown in Nicaragua. That's it. That's, as far as I know, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. As, as far as I know. They, they wanted to, so the, the black market, and a lot of Alec Bradley brands in general, um, are really geared towards Honduran tobaccos, the Prensado, the original mm-hmm. black market, etc. So with, you know, the, the hype and the, the, you know, the, the growing interest in Nicaraguan tobaccos, they really wanted, in addition to the black market series but that really focused on using high quality Nicaraguan tobaccos and so that's where the Esteli came in for those of you who don't know Esteli is a very large city actually not, not that large it's a, it's a city in Nicaragua but it is basically the hub for every major cigar manufacturer in the in that country is, is basically essentially based out of Esteli they have fields over they have fields in Yalapa uh, Ometepe uh, Condega and Esteli, but in terms of the manufacturing, the headquarters, uh, Esteli is like is like the HQ. Um, so and I, I like I, I love the band too. I love how it has like that stamp. I always like that that cool like official documents military military style stamp. Uh, this is a, a very I will say a darker Habano wrapper than I'm used to seeing. Usually it's a tiny bit lighter in color. This almost has a Maduro color to it. I would call this maybe a Colorado Maduro. There you go. <laughs> Got to put Colorado in yeah, there. Yeah, Colorado Maduro. Um, what other cigars have that Nicaraguan Habano wrapper that I would know? I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Um, Agadorsa might use it. Okay. Oddly enough, the Nicaraguan wrappers are becoming popular now. 
Um, but really, it's, it's a strange thing that for many years, Dominican, the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua were really filler and binder places. Um, you know, we did a video on our top five Dominican rap cigars. Like, that was tough to find. Like those cigars, they're they're uh, these countries don't usually do it. It's very hard to grow rubber tobacco, which we're going to get into when we have our our topic of the day. Right. Um, but Nicaragua recently, because it's just it's so versatile in the in the growing regions, it's becoming easier, and they're finding ways to grow more sustainable wrapper there. So Nicaragua and Habano, there's a Nicaraguan uh, broadleaf, um, a lot of what Aganorsa does with the Corojo, the the Corojo and Criollo wrappers that they, that they grow. So they're, they're quickly learning and adapting. But mostly, most rappers were really coming out of Connecticut, Ecuador, and Mexico. Like, that's where, right. if you think, and, and Cameroon, I guess, technically. Some out of Sumatra. But if you think of the, of the big three, the majority of rappers of cigars that you smoke, most likely Connecticut, Ecuador, or Mexico. Um, even a lot of the Connecticut's that you know are Ecuadorian Connecticut's. Um, the Hoya Red uses it. Uh, our favorite Fratello Inverso uses a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. It's a good cigar. Uh, the 601 Red label from Eric Espinosa uses a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like it's like up and not, I want to say it's up and coming, but definitely you're, again because of the versatility of the growing regions in Nicaragua, tobaccos that were extensively grown in other regions because due to climate or whatever, they're they're finding ways to grow it there. So Habano seed. Uh, Broadleaf, a, a lot of these tobaccos, you know, uh, even Corojo and Criollo, or Corojo was like really a big Honduran tobacco uh, that Camacho really started in um, the Aroa family. Uh, Aganorsa is basically almost essentially entirely based on Corojo and Criollo Nicaraguan varieties. So, right. Um, really, they're really expanding what Nicaragua was able to do. It's going gonna, it's gonna to basically be it's Nicaraguan puros all the time, and they're going to be amazing. So that comes up to the topic of why are some tobaccos more expensive than than others? Flawless transition. Yeah, that was fantastic, <laughs> wasn't it? That comes up to our next topic. <laughs> so when it comes down to uh, price discrepancy due to leaf rarity, the the first one I always talk about, like the, the best, best, biggest example I always use is Padron. And I taught this when I taught cigar school classes. When you look at the three major Padrones, you have the regular 1,000 series, the... Um, 64 and the 26 is all come in a natural and a Maduro format, all using Nicaraguan tobacco. Um, they all use essentially the same tobaccos in those three series, the 26, the 64, and the uh, original. But you see a massive price discrepancy. You see the original is going for seven, eight dollars. Great middle of the road, you know, medium priced for you know for a higher end smoke. 64s you're seeing in that 15 to 17 dollar range, depending on the size. And then the 26s you're seeing from like 22 to Sometimes as much as thirty dollars, you know, twenty eight dollars. That is entirely, at least from my experience and from my knowledge, due to age. All right. Padron has some of the largest aging facilities in the industry. In fact, from what I heard, is that if all their crops died right now and they couldn't grow any more tobacco, they have enough stored and aging for five years of full production on That's all wild. their current lines. Massive, massive facilities. But you got to remember. Oh, okay. Hopefully those facilities are not in the, uh, they're not all in one area. No, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I think they have probably have, well, you're going to go, you do, do a heist? No, <laughs> no. It's just, you know. <laughs> are we going to Ocean's Eleven Padron? Uh, no, I was just thinking of Michael Bay, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you got to think of it this way. You grow 
X amount of tobacco, you got to pay for, you know, labor and then fermentation and then, you know, the seeds and the fields and whatever you got to pay for. Then you're taking that tobacco and for the original series, you're aging it for maybe up to six months and then wrapping it, boxing it, sending it out. You're getting your money back. You know, you're you're getting your, your profit on that. 64 series, you're aging for about one and a half to two years. Now, are they aging the actual tobacco or aging the cigar? Mostly they're aging the tobacco. I think they probably, after it's wrapped, maybe let it settle for a couple months. But from what I know, they definitely age the tobacco by itself. Most companies, when they age, age the tobacco by itself. Um, okay. n- some notable or no- noticeable um, detractors from that, the age limited and rare from Rocky Patel, the number two. Yeah. The tobaccos are aged, and then the cigars are rolled, and then further aged. Gotcha. Um, the, the cigars are definitely aged after they're rolled, but uh, from what I understand, the, the most extensive aging period is just the tobacco, tobacco on its own. It might still gotcha. be aged for six months or a year after that. So then the Patron 64s are aged for about a year and a half, two years. That, that tobacco's aged. All right, well, now you've been sitting on this tobacco for two years. You've had a pay all the initial costs of labor and everything and now you had to pay for your facilities to to maintain your humidity have a guy go in there and check rotate the tobacco and and you're basically sitting on your profits for an extra you know year and a half well that costs money is it is so it aging you, is it aging in the bales or is it do you know how it's actually aged um sometimes it's aged in bales it's um it could be aged like the barrel age from like perdomo right sometimes it's aged in barrels but they're um, not like hanging single like no, no, no! It's, it's like stacked. Closed. It's, you know, it's stacked. Right, okay. it's, it's it's stacked up tight. I mean, that's how they, that's how they ferment it first in the polones. Right. They layer it in. The pressure yep. ferments it, but then the aging is usually done in bales, or they might just have like an aging room where the tobacco might sit on okay. shelves. There's, there's gotcha. different ways, but you do definitely you still want to create that a little bit of that pressure, not as yep. heavy as in a polones. Uh, I think it's polone, more like um, this leaf pressure, like how much when you leave. Well, that's that's how the yeah that's how the tobacco is fermented. Is actually I mean obviously the room you've been in a fermentation yeah, yeah. room probably when you were in Honduras, yep. um, but there's heat in the room, but but it's the pressure and friction created by the tobacco being laid on top of each other in these heavy, heavy pilones and these heavy piles that actually starts the, the chemical process of fermentation. Gotcha. It's actually generating heat, which is why also when it's fermenting, it has to be flipped and rotated. You, know, okay. you got to make sure you're changing right, it. Right, so, right. so they're yep. each getting this, basically the same amount of fermentation. Yep. So for the Padron 64, so you're basically waiting another, another year and a half to see a return on your investment. So it's got to be worth it. You got to charge a little bit more. Also, the tobacco is a little more refined at that point. A little more of the impurities in the aging process have, have come out. So you're getting a higher quality product that it took us longer and it was harder to produce. So you're going to pay for that difference. But drone 26 is aged, from what I understand, no less than three years. Okay. So each one is basically double what the previous one was in terms of aging. So you're de- you're going to see a price increase. So that you know six or seven dollar difference between the 64 and the 26. That's another year and a half of right. maintenance, of, of checking, of, of aging. That's more impurities being dissolved. It's a, it's a cleaner smoke. It's going to be smoother. Leaf rarity in terms of aging is definitely one. Cigars that are using um, more excessively aged tobaccos. That's what you see in... Give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. The Cohiba um, Spectre. That first one, why it's so expensive for that cigar. Um, this is what Sean it's told age, us. Aged forever. It was it was like a like a twelve or thirteen year old uh, bale of tobacco that they found. Are they? No, here's another question. I'm gonna branch oh, off of that. Are they going to now take that tobacco that they aged for twelve years and try different blends and different cigars to see if it works? 
Like, yeah, but they have when they say like they found like only like a little bit. That's still enough to make a good amount of cigars. And for testing blends, you barely use any. Like you use less than half a percent of your tobacco okay, to make I'm a test. Okay, I'm just curious. Yeah, because all all you really need is you know whatever filler and filler and wrapper you have, or even just uh, uh, I'm sorry, binder and wrapper you have. And you literally like the kind of like the ones that Terrence sent us. You just wrap it around and like smoke. Right. You only need to make five of those. Right. You know, True. and and one leaf of something leaf. is not a lot. When yeah. they probably have a small amount, still probably like a thousand pounds or something like that. You know, a, a lot. Right. Um, and so, so like I said, aging is definitely one uh, one reason you're going to get into higher priced tobaccos for in terms of uh, leaf rarity. The next one is going to be um, tobaccos that are just really hard to grow. And my best best example for this is like Dominican wrapper. So like the the Dominican Rosado wrapper on the Opus X. For years, they said that the DR couldn't grow wrapper. It wasn't right to grow it there. He did, but he's only able to grow it in like very small batches. And that's one of the, you know, obviously the filler and binders from the Opus X are aged extensively too, but it's that wrapper that really makes it hit that price point. Right. It's very limited, not found anywhere else. And it's a lot of work for them to do because it's not like at a factory, uh, Excuse me, or at like a like a farm in Ecuador or in Nicaragua or in Connecticut where they're used to dealing with wrapper. They know how to do it. They have the processes in place from you know a hundred years ago. They started growing Dominican wrapper in like '92 is when the Opus first came out. It's when he really developed it. And as as we've just said before, there's not a lot of cigars out there using Dominican wrapper, so it's not no. becoming a a normal thing quite yet. Much harder to deal with. So you're, again, you're going to see that that difference in price point. Cinquenta. Dominican wrapper? Sumatra. Sumatra. Mm. So good. Um, leaf rarity is also for tobaccos that, that uh, you know, kind of hit a surge in popularity. And you're going to see a, a big price discrepancy in that. Let's take a look at Broadleaf. We, we, we've talked about this right. a lot recently with, on a lot of our videos. They it's, should start using it more for filler. I mean, I, I don't know why, but I have a... It takes more to, to use it as filler. And there's already, there's already less going around. I got you, but if they're going to use it machine made, why you know? I think they're probably using it as machine made filler. If I had no. a, if I had a guess. no, I right. What are you What are you trying to say? My cigar that I made had Connecticut broadleaf filler. It's delicious. Yeah, it's just to, to but like it it to use that as a filler, it requires more, and it's already like a an inventory issue. There's already not a lot of it going around, so it's harder. You. It's you know okay, um, because you need more than just the you know the one leaf for the wrapper or the one leaf for the binder. Right. You need like a couple leaves. Um. So Connecticut Broadleaf is, is becoming harder and harder to find because a lot of guys are using it. And, you know, Broadleafs back in the day weren't a lot of money, but now you're seeing... And obviously, the quality goes with it. Something on, like, the uh, the La Coalition from Crown Heads. It's a little more expensive than, like, a Broadleaf from five or six years ago or seven years ago, but it's definitely worth that in the quality of the cigar. But, you know, I've talked to John several times. It's getting harder and harder to find... Broadleaf. Um, guys like Drew Estate have like a stock of it that they, you know, that because they were smart and they stored up a lot. A lot of other manufacturers don't. And now every year, I mean, how many Broadleaf cigars came out last year? There was like three or four. And that's every one of those three or four is like at, at minimum two to three thousand cigars. You know, if it's a total regular release, maybe up to 10,000 cigars if it's a bigger company doing it. So even though that that's an abundant tobacco, like we, you know, there's a lot of brands that use it, it's becoming harder and harder to find. Don't forget, Connecticut's also small, and they only have like one growing season, and then it gets really cold. There's only so much you can you can do within that area, which is why they're looking to places like Pennsylvania and Nicaragua for similar tobacco varieties. Those Nicaraguan broadleaves. Oh, Pennsylvania, and, it's 
great state. It was. No, look. They just let anyone in there now, though. <laughs> Better than being kicked out. You've been kicked out of Pennsylvania? <laughs> no, the other state. You were kicked out of New Jersey? Yeah. For what? Violence. <laughs> Violence talk. against squirrels. That's it. <laughs> um, and then lastly, when it comes to, to leaf rarity, um, there's also things like um, just the difficulty in obtaining it. I'm trying to think of the word. Like physically going to get to tobacco. And the biggest example I have for this is Cameroon. Right. They might grow a bajillion fields of... Well, actually, they don't even, they don't even do that. Nowadays, most Cameroon rapper, because apparent, uh, um, unfortunately, the country is not in the best of states, um, and there's a lot of strife and civil turmoil there. Um, they're not grown on, like, big farms. It's actually a lot of individual farmers who are growing Cameroon wrapper. Um, and it's, I think there's only one major company as a, as a distributor... I want to say the name is like Mirf Kapel. They're like a European, I want to say they're Dutch or German, um, but they're like the primary getters of Cameroon tobacco in the world. But even just to get in there, very few people, we even talked to Ricky Rodriguez, very few people have even seen the fields where Cameroon wrapper is grown. Right. It's just hard to get there. You know, there's not a lot of roads built to that area. It could be dangerous. Who else, who else does, I mean, obviously we have the States, but does anybody else work with Cameroon tobacco? Like, that we don't get, or what do you mean? I don't know. Is there anybody? Like, is there somebody else growing that variety? I don't know what actual. I don't know the actual seed variety of Cameroon tobacco. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like yeah. you know, Cubans, Cubans. We're not. We can't get them in the states. Is there anybody else using Cameroon? Is it or is it just more of a locally kind of? I mean, really, did, it's just it's just whoever's using it for the American market. Before that, when it was just Cuba, no one needed. Gotcha. Tobacco from Sumatra, tobacco from Cameroon. Like they might have been growing it there, but it wasn't. There was no demand for it. Now there's a market demand for it. Um, but yeah, Cameroon. I mean, you're still seeing it on, on a good amount of blends. The H. Upman Vintage Cameroon has always been a favorite of mine. The new Roma Craft Baca, Rocky Patel has a great Cameroon. Obviously, a lot of the uh, Fuentes, the Hemingways, and the Don Carlos. They all use Cameroon wrapper. You can check out but, our top five Cameroon. Yeah, we have top five there. Cameroon. One. That's correct. Um, the Cameroon cabinet from La Florida Minicana. But it is very difficult to... It's not that diff- I don't think it's that difficult to, to utilize in a blend. It might be. I'm not sure. But difficult to, to get a hold of just because of various political and environmental issues just getting right. there to get the tobacco, <clears throat> um, which is why any kind of modern-day company using it, like the Baca, I mean, they're making that. In a very, even though it's a core brand for Romacraft, very small amounts. Nowhere near, I can imagine, what they're making for Cro-Magnon or right. uh, the Neanderthal. But yeah, so that, that, that's going to play a factor. Um, now, a lot of times what they'll do is to not pass the cost off to the customer is maybe they'll use a, a, a less expensive filler, which is why you still see really good Cameroon wrapped cigars that aren't that expensive, is they don't want to pass that cost on to you, so they take, you know, they, they, they take away in other places. But in terms of actually finding and securing it, these are some of the various reasons why um, tobaccos, uh, in terms of the, the industry, um, have have such various uh, price discrepancies between right. them. So, out of all that, you'd say Opus for the most, you know, rare, expensive. Why tobacco is expensive? You say Opus X is your number one. In terms of actual tobacco, not in terms of like aging or anything, but in right. terms of actual like a like a tobacco variety, I would probably say that that's among the more rare ones. I mean, there's I'm sure there's some secret crap 
that some guy you know put in a bail twenty years ago. It's like oh, we only have this one bail. Like, kind of like I said with the Kohiba Specter. But in terms of like a known seed that Which is, is still not being, crap, it's still delicious. No, no, what I mean crap in no, terms I, of like the like know, some guy just hit it and I, like it's I not it. it's not currently being grown or if it, it's it like, like you won't make that one meal that that good that one time and then you try to do it like six months later it's just quit, complete exactly. garbage. Exactly. Um, but in in terms of a wrapper that's currently being grown and I'm talking about like the out of yeah I might just take that just to make it easier the out like I call it like out of the ground price like still right. still aged like, like the regular amount. But the regular turnover of this tobacco is still very expensive, whereas the other ones, it relies on a lot of other factors. How, like I said, how long it's being aged, the demand for it um, from, from competitors to try to use it. Yep. This is a tobacco that they grow themselves, and even with a few months of age, like it, it's, it's regularly produced, but it's still expensive, exclusive, hard to find, which gotcha. is why you see that, uh, that price uh, discrepancy. There's spider in my ashtray. Spider? Mm-hmm. No. Get it with the fire. Get the torch. No. Imagine if I did it and he like turned into Spider-Man. That'd be awesome. Do you think we'll be friends because we made him? Or do you think he would... We he, because I burned him. Or would he burn us because we tried burning him? What would you way. do? What would you do? If you got in a car... If, if a drunk driver was driving like an acid oh, here truck... We go. And he hit your car... And you turn into like a daredevil kind of character. Yes. Would you be friends with that truck driver, <laughs> or would you be pissed that you're now blind I would try and to, have to fight crime? I would. Well, I don't have to, but I oh, would. You're gonna use all these things to to what? Like, what would you use your daredevil powers for? Just to I like mean, hang it depends. Out? How old am I at this time? Your your current age. My current age. Yeah. Am I married? No. I got a lot of things I could do. <laughs> you guys want to see me leave from this building and then give me your number? Exactly. Oh God. Anyway, would you be mad at the truck driver? Well, I mean, at the moment, yes. But when I go like a couple months later after I had all these skills, I'd probably try to help, like seek help to him. I'd be like, seek help you, to you him? Need, you need help. <laughs> seek help to him? Yes, I would. Like you're helping him or you're asking Correct. him to help you? No, help him. He could be your, like, your, your guy in the chair. That's right. Yeah. You could never know. I always need a truck driver on my missions. That's it. I always need a I bad mean, alcoholic truck driver on my missions. Because if you can still drive the, the truck, I mean, unfortunately, you hit me. Well, I'm, I'm sure you got a DUI for it, you know. Hitting a thirty-year-old well, until he's done after like six months <laughs> until he gets his license back. <laughs> what do you think of this punk? Uh, you know, and I always keep saying because my one buddy who's now getting into cigars, I always tell you know when I give him a cigar, I go, "It's a very good cigar," but I'm, it's always missing that one like hit note kind of thing. And this is where this cigar has that. It has that underlining like sweetness. And I don't know if I'm becoming a closet Honduran tobacco, you know guy it's not a lot of honduran in there. it's not but it's enough to kind of because to, to differ it up make it, right because the one thing that i was telling him was how i felt about connecticut broadleaf cigars that are just nicaraguan filler binder i feel like the bigger the ring gauge and the bigger the cigar i think the better the taste of the cigar to me because i think sometimes connecticut broadleaf is just a little too much yeah but i also then came back and said well just like the big payback which had a little honduran i don't think i had dominican i think it had uh, it, might have. it might have some other, not Peruvian. No, not Peruvian. We can Google. It might have been. It might have been Dominican. But when you have that extra Dominican or Honduran in it with the Connecticut broadleaf, it kind of it adds a complexity it, to it, it, right? And that you can smoke it at any different size that the Connecticut right. broadleaf doesn't take over. Because I don't think I dislike Connecticut broadleaf. I just think it needs to be blended Utilized well, just, in just a, like in a James, way, yeah. James said from Black Label. So yeah. going back to the cigar, I think it has that kind of 
Connecticut Broadleaf without the toothiness flavor. There's actually a lot of tobaccos in the Big Payback. It uses uh, Broadleaf wrapper, Connecticut Shade Binder, and then fillers from Honduras, Nicaragua, and did it say the Dominican? And Dominican Republic. Wow. So. I, I just think with this cigar, it, it has that kind of that Connecticut Broadleaf-esque taste to it, but not the toothiness that you'd get. Mm. And not, I mean, you get that chocolate taste to it. And little little subtle, you know, spice to it. And then I feel more like nutty. I kind of like more like a Raisinette-esque flavor to it. Oh, I like Raisinettes. I love Raisinettes. My oh, dad I went to a, I went to an ice cream parlor last Ooh. week. Did you get Raisinette? No, but they had really cool flavors. They had one that was called Midnight Snack. Okay. It was like cake batter ice cream with Captain Crunch and bits of chocolate-covered potato chips. You know who would love that? Oh. Alex the intern. Uh, no. He would love no, that. No, no, no. Yes, he would. Because this went well together. He likes garbage. You actually, you actually got that? Yeah, it was delicious. I'm really shocked you got that. Dude, it was it was like... I mean, I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked. It's not a, it wasn't a weird combination of like, oh, that doesn't go together. It was sweet ice cream with sweet chocolate potato chips I and mean, then sweet Captain Crunch. Chips. I mean, potato chips, I think, is your number one food to you. I love chips. No, Should, pizza, pizza's definitely. I just haven't even... Yeah, uh, no. I mean, chips are one of those things. Every lunch you have, no matter what it is, I can, two it's, pizza. It's something I can like take a half a bag and like, have a few little snack. But in terms of overall food, it's pizza hands down. But I just okay, can't have Okay, overall food. But every... every I know. But every lunch that you have, it's a bag of potato chips. Always. Oh, always, chips. always. And it's not a slice of pizza. Because I can't have a slice of pizza I, I, with every I, meal. I, I know. That's what oh, I'm I saying. Oh, I got my nice big chicken salad and then just a slice of pizza. <laughs> Like if you had a Costco membership, number one every time you go there is potato chips. It'd be water, water potato. I, I go I through like care. two cases no one, of water. No, we're talking about food. No one cares about water. That's like, the problem with the health in this country. No one cares about water. Yeah, exactly. You're drinking frozen Gatorade, this, Arctic, whatever. This is this is good. Four percent juice. It's good. Oh, is that called antioxidant confusion? Cocoa fusion. Oh. Just, Not, it's confused about antioxidants. Yeah, I'm actually usually. I think very they're pro- probably they're probably confused because when they put cocoa in front of it, you think chocolate. But it's I'm usually there. very pro-oxidant. Oh, get it? Okay. No. Um, but no, I'm I'm really liking the uh, I'm really liking this punk. I like the size. I think the size is adding a nice a nice flavor punch to it. Um, and that's exactly what the boys told me. They're like this this size just it. Sometimes a really weird size of a blend just hits differently. And it it works. I think it's really working with these. Well, that's that's what I said. Like going back to my buddy because he's now in this relationship where I'm like, I know it. And I don't know it all, but that's why I'm doing air quotes. I know it all. You know more than him, so you're right. able to teach him. So something. he's yeah. like, I'm going to have to start trying different sizes. I said, you absolutely should because they're either going to be worse or they're going to actually better. Not worse, but like not as good as some other sizes. And yeah, there's a middle of the road, and then every size, I mean, it depends on preference, is either going to be, like, more towards, like, if, if the cigar is here, the size is either going to lean a little more towards what you like or a little away from what you like. It's not going to be vast. I've never smoked a cigar that I hated in every size but loved in one size. Right. I'll find something like, oh, I really don't smoke that unless it's this size, then I, like, I'll enjoy it enough. Um, but... But there is enough of a difference where, where you know, like I said, it's going to lean one way or the other. It's like, you know, oh, the Toro is good. The Lonsdale is really good, but the right. Gordo is not that good. You know, I'm just, that wasn't for a particular brand. I was just in general. Right. Um, I tend to go for shorter, thinner these days. Um, this is actually, a, this is a great size. Yeah. Cutter or lighter? Uh, lighter. 
Do different sizes have different tastes, even if it's the same brand? Yeah, you're going to have a different ratio. So don't forget, a majority of your flavor comes from the wrapper, but your filler and binder play into that as well. So when you have different ratios of filler to binder to wrapper, so like think of a Lancero, a lot more wrapper on a Lancero than on like a Gordo. You know, it's a much longer stretched out and then a much reduced amount of filler or tobacco on that. Okay. So you're gonna re- it's really going to accent the flavor in a different way, whereas something like a Gordo where it's packed out with filler tobacco, a big, you know, big freaking cigar, that's going to play more towards the strength. You're going to get more strength and it might take a little bit off flavor. Okay. Um, but that's why, you know, a, a lot of my favorite broadleafs, and this is why maybe Greg doesn't like them, is because I give him some of my favorites that are in that size range of, of thinner, you know, m- more of the broadleaf flavor coming forward. Um, but because, but it, for his palate, he would probably like, he would probably love some of the cigars that I like, but in a 54 or a 56 ring gauge, because the strength is getting kicked up a little bit, but it's taking a little bit off that intense broadleaf flavor. More of the subtle flavors from the filler and binder are coming to the forefront. They're coming into play. Um, and so it just takes a little bit off of that. And in, in some cases, I guess, Greg would say, like, refines it a little bit, which is why you love that, you know, that Robusto from... Yep. Yeah, uh, the Robusto. And I also yeah. like the uh, bigger ring gauge on the La Coalition. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like bigger ring gauges. It, it's, it's, it's half a flavor thing, but it's also visually and, like, how it sits in my mouth. I used to smoke, six, I used to smoke the San Cristobal... It was called I, a, I wouldn't go anything higher than 54. It was called the XXL Pap- Papagawa or Papawa. It was a big, freaking meaty smoke, and it was spicy. The wow. original San Cristobal is super spicy. That's why I got Ajita now. Oh, That's wow. why. It's from all those big ring gauges. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that this size, for me anyway, it was very powerful and spicy right off the bat. You guys said that too. Yeah, very, very, very powerful. Yeah, very powerful. That's we how Javier Bardem would say. It's very powerful. <laughs> He was great in Skyfall. Oh, yeah. After Skyfall, everyone said that he should be the new Joker. Is not is it just me, or do him and Jeffrey Dean Morgan look like cousins? They look like brothers. Yeah, they're really close. They're tight. I don't know. You know who Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, right? Yeah. 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 You know who yeah, Javier yeah. Mardem is, right? No. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Wait. He's in one of your favorite movies. What movie? No Country for Old Men. He's the oh, that guy. guy. No, they don't look the same. So, big shout-out again to Alec and Bradley Rubin. Um, I don't know what it is, but those boys got it. They sure do. Um, and thank you very much for the, uh, for the gifts. This yeah, is I'm super pumped. cool. I love the shirt. Um, hopefully, I'm going to talk to uh, – maybe make sure we get this size. I want to make sure the size is readily Definitely. available um, on the website. Um, and also look forward to the, uh, the new Kitsugi coming from them. Uh, that will be the – I guess the third major but fourth overall. I know they did something with Cigar Dojo. They were going to do something with Cigar Dojo. But the, the, the third major entry from Alec and Bradley is going to be the Kitsugi coming out soon. So look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Craig. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, Chris. No problem. Thank you, guys.